When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to the Athletic MBA Show, Monday through on the Athletic Podcast Network. From the Golden Gate to the New York Bay. What I have access to is a bit different than the public. Tamper with you. Welcome to Tampering. We're this beautiful game of basketball that we all love and talk about every single day. So Sam King, Anthony Slater, uh-huh. and Fred Katz. To be able to bring uh-huh. people together. Reportedly at the center of an NBA investigation into tampering accusations. And the message to executives in the league is stop talking about players on other teams. What did I do? The charges filed. Impermissible contact. Is right or wrong? Tampering charges are really difficult to prove. You know me, I talk. It's <laughs> <laughs> awkward to even talk about it. I can't even mention deans anymore. Actually, what I like to put in Kevin Durant. The trial you want with tampering. They're always ahead of the rules. It's not rocket science. I didn't tamper with the guys. I didn't tamper. I'm just telling you what happened. I'm just telling you what happened. Here's your host, Sam Amick. Hello and welcome to the Tampering Podcast, part of the Athletic NBA Show Network. I'm Sam Amick, NBA National Writer at The Athletic. Here we have one, as always, guest, uh, not a guest, a host, uh, Mr. Anthony Slater on the West Coast. We will soon be joined by Fred Katz, resident New York Knicks beat writer on the East Coast, but also a favorite of the show, a favorite in life in general. And one of the best sports writers on the planet, John Krasinski. What's up, my sir? What's up, Sam? How's it going? Who says that? I don't know what that was. Sorry. It's good, man. It's good to have you here. Happy New Year. Happy New Year to you. Good to be here. As always, enjoying uh, your Minnesota Timberwolves coverage. And so on today's show, JK and Slater, uh, we're going to make the rounds. We are going to, it's that time of year, February 9th, trade deadline is coming up pretty quick. And as you guys know from getting to the arena on a regular basis, it is wild how quickly that aspect of the league starts really, really ramping up. We haven't seen fireworks yet from an actual trade standpoint, but, you know, the chatter, if you will, people talking pregame, you know, just the level of dialogue and the decibels is certainly going, you know, up quickly. And part of that is, and this is the focus of today's show, once we get past Lakers, which we are going to talk about in a minute, is the idea that you got all these teams that that we thought were going to be kind of left for dead, that they were struggling so much early on, like the Timberwolves, like the Lakers, like a bunch of other squads, a ton of them in the West, but we'll talk East Coast too. Um, and and that impacts the trade market, right? Like you've got a ton of buyers and, and we got to figure out where the sellers are going to be. But before we get to all that, because it was in the news, you might have seen it. Uh, what a weekend. <laughs> Uh, I did want to address my interview with LeBron James. Uh, We talked, today's Monday, so this was Saturday night. Lakers come to town. uh, And I'll be honest with you guys, like I don't have the energy to get into this too much. This is, for me, it's in the it is what it is category. Respectfully with LeBron, he's he's got a long history of, you know, of saying things and then ultimately kind of backtracking. And, And I think it's not hard to read this room and realize that when we talked for about two minutes, and I think he, you know, he was fairly candid about the way he sees the Lakers roster and the general debate, which is kind of raging internally, externally right now about whether or not they should use their first round picks in 2027, 2029. 
this is a classic like present versus future situation with arguably the greatest player of all time one of the greatest players of all time and the idea that they're playing well enough the lakers are five in a row heading into tonight's game in denver to where you can make a real argument that they should stop worrying about anything beyond the here and now so that was the spirit of our talk um i would you know where i land on the fact that lebron chose to tweet that that he didn't agree with my characterization that his patience was waning which is fine i don't have any problem with him pushing back on the framing uh, I am for sure happy that I made the choice to, you know, the entire back and forth is in the piece, uh, complete context there for everybody to read. And I think if you read it, you're going to get a real sense of where his head is at. I think that we also should say, you guys have done this a long time. This is just sports, but this is a hundred percent politics. You know what I mean? Like this is a political ecosystem where my opinion is that, once LeBron realized that he was maybe a little more candid than he had planned on being, uh, he realized that there could be an impact on the leverage landscape as it relates to the Lakers and trade talks and the perceptions and the optics of of the rest of the NBA world believing that you know the Lakers had their superstar frustrated, uh, and so he obviously chose to to say what he said and say that his patience is not waning. Uh, but man, I wouldn't blame him. Cause that was honestly, I enjoyed the hell out of talking to him and, and the spirit of it was, you know, and I've, I don't normally pull this card, but this guy's incredible. And it's me telling him, man, you're 38, you're doing stuff that nobody's ever done before. Um, if I was in your shoes, I, I'd, I'd probably be calling Lakers owner, Jeannie Buss, you know, president of basketball operations, Rob Palenka and saying, let's go. What can we get for these two picks? Uh, you know, he obviously is uh, is deciding to say publicly that he's just focused on the team. So we'll see, you know, we'll see where that goes. But that's kind of how I see it. Uh, thoughts, feelings, yeah. opinions from you guys? You know, I mean, sure, maybe he didn't like the framing of, of, of patience, uh, be, you know, particularly waning because it's coming out when they're on a five-game winning streak. How about urgency? Like, to me, that is the situation where, it's just they've won five in a row, and I understand not wanting to have like you know a theoretical negative story out there. But not only are they playing well, to me, what ha- should bump their urgency up is like look at the West, look at the the mid tier chunk of the West where everybody's sitting at five hundred. They're basically now in that clump, and then even above, like Denver and Memphis are the one two right now. They they don't sit there as a traditional like how could the Warriors or how could the Lakers possibly topple them. Like the West just seems like it's kind of soft. It's right gettable. Now. I mean, yeah. they are seven and a half games back. I mean, they're not going to win the West, but just for context, they're seven and a half games back of the Nuggets. You know what I mean? Uh, well, yeah, and just a- even forget about standings. Like to me, I'm even looking at it from a playoff perspective. Who looks like unbeatable? You know, sure. in a playoff series right now. Right. That's where, I'm, and you know, like that's what LeBron would care about. That's what you know the Lakers should care about because you can come out of the six or something like that. Well, yeah. and to strip you guys it, it, are falling into the trap. You guys are doing exactly what they want you to do. You're falling into the trap. They are. Well, let me introduce it's, you, Fred. Nobody even knows you he, right he now. I got to bring you in, and then yes. just chastises everyone. <laughs> wow. Okay. Before we get, I mean, to look, the great... Sam. You should be lucky that I'm not fining you mm. for yes, for fair. this. For do you know Talking how many Lakers. dollars you have to get fined by getting quote tweeted by LeBron? <laughs> I mean, that is. That is, I will you're, say, you're, I'm gonna, you're gonna be. I'm, it wasn't a gonna be funding my tweet, my life. Fred. Fred, <laughs> I mean, was I was political, you know, in, in in true, you know, Lakers Lebron fashion. I was political at the top. I will strip a lot of the fat away and say, 
from a journalistic standpoint, like, come on, guys. Like, the last quote of the conversation was literally from 15 to 20 feet away, him shouting, y'all know what the fuck needs to happen, you know. Um, you know, that speaks volumes. Uh, and again, I'm, I'm on, we don't pick sides in this thing, but it's, I'm probably, I guess I am. I like LeBron's got every reason to, to be wanting them to, to be banging down doors and improving this team. Now let's bring in the one, the only Fred Katz. Thank you for joining us. What trap are we falling into? Mr. Katz. You're, you're, you seem like you're buying in on the Lakers. And no, I'm not saying, I, no, I, no. I'm selling the West. I just, I'm selling. Here's my, that's fine. Here is, here is my existential Lakers question. They're playing way better. LeBron has been totally insane. He's averaging his age since he turned 38, which is a ridiculous (laughs) thing to say. Uh, He has been on a, on a whole other level and he should be on an all NBA team and all that stuff. And I'm with you. Like when you're that great, no matter how much of a, no matter how much of a role he played in building the actual roster, and we can debate about how much of a role he played. He played some role in filling out the actual roster. No matter what role he played, like you're 38, you're that great, you're still that great, you're allowed to feel frustrated by being on a losing team. They've won five in a row, but the existential Lakers question is, okay, well, what's that really mean? Does it mean that it's worth trading two future first, your only two tradable future first round picks to get better because as, as Sam, as you said, they're not going to win the West. So if, if they're not going to win the West, you're trading away your entire future to not win the West. Uh, what, and, and if you're not doing that, are you doing some sort of shuffling the deck chairs trade, which isn't going to do anything by definition? Are you trading one pick and splitting it down the middle? But, but that seems like Is honestly really the worst Fred? option. Do you, I think what I'm hearing, and I would love to drill down a little farther on this, do you and you other guys, do you feel like, like where do you fall on the question of the all or nothing calculus that seems to be part of how the Lakers brass is looking at it? Meaning, if you are unofficially convinced that you're not going to win a championship, does that thereby mean you hold on to the picks? Because I I think the other night, and I might have been a prisoner of the moment, I mean, I was really marveling at how great LeBron was in that Kings game, and, and just the idea that Somebody, man, I forget who said this, but somebody recently, high profile, had said that it's no longer a debate, you know, who is is the greatest player of all time in terms of the back end of their career. Nobody's ever been this good, this long, this late. And I went naturally to look at Kareem's career and, you know, 20 years, all-time scoring leader. And it's like, well, as far as Kareem goes, like at the age of 38, he was averaging, I think, 22 points a game. And the next year fell off to 14. So that argument holds up. But, you know, anyway, marveling at how great LeBron has been this year and probably going towards this side of, of thinking, even if they don't win the whole thing, I think you got to go kind of guns blazing at the back end and see where it takes you uh, rather than just keeping those picks on the sideline and, and having almost like the Kobe ending where it's just non-competitive, um, chasing records, you know, a lot of pomp and circumstance, but no real competition. I mean, I yep. guess I here's what I would sense. say. I, oh, John, go ahead. I, I would I would say this. Like, I I don't think that they should trade the picks just for the sake of trading them. I mean, we have to kind of know what their options are yep. in terms of what deals presented are 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 there for for these picks. Because you know, if you can get a player that comes available that really does solve a lot of their issues, then you know, then you say yes, you go for it. But if it's just to, you know, kind of 
um, just bring in someone who's marginally better than what they have right now. And yeah, that's probably not, not the way to go. But I do think that the other part of this is that when you get into business with LeBron James, you understand that you, it's for the here and now. Like, yeah, I, I know he signed the long contract and everything, but it's he's not that long. And, and you have to get, you have to get what you can out of him while you have him available. And these picks are valuable, but they're also just picks right now. And they, they, they could turn into nobodies The the Lakers could just as easily flub those picks in a couple of years. And, um, and then they'd be without any kind of championship for LeBron other than the one that they got and with bad players. So I I'm just of the, of the mind of you. I can't, I don't think you close the door on anything. I think you try and try and make moves be aggressive with it. If it's not there, you don't force it, but, but man, you have LeBron James still at, you know, at a, an incredibly high level right now and a wide open West. So I'd be leaning more toward go for it than not. You can also make a trade that, that is more forward looking than like the next couple of months, you know, let's say, I'm not saying he's available or this is on the table, but if you got a, a Bogdanovich from Detroit, like he's under contract for a couple of years where you're going to have Davis, you're going to have LeBron the next couple of years. If you got a Kuzma back, you could resign him. You know what I mean? You can make, you could fit puzzle pieces together that aren't just about like, we're obsessed with winning it this year. And if not, it's being blown up. Like you need to be building a core for the next couple seasons around these guys, because this is your core, right? I mean, you're still going to try to win next season with AD and LeBron, I assume. No, agreed. Uh, agreed. I mean, we'll see where that goes. It's funny too, John. You mentioned or Slater. You mentioned Bogdanovich, you know, the, the Jazz version. Um, you know, I I look at the other Bogdanovich too. The Hawks, who are an interesting team right now, you know, underperforming, bunch of talent, new front office. Um, you know, the other Bogdanovich comes to mind too. A lot of teams would would love to get in on him. All right, let's pivot and at least go broader scope. So Lakers, like Fred said, we're we're getting fined by the second right now for talking too much Lakers. Those are his rules. But the West in general, John, your Minnesota Timberwolves have been nothing if not compelling this year. Scorching. You know what I mean? Scorching. Scorching, scorching. But that's it's it's a roller coaster. You know, it's four in a row at the moment. Um, they get to kind of bathe in that winning streak until they play Wednesday at Detroit. So that's another very gettable game. Then at home, gettable game against Phoenix, at home against Cleveland, Utah. So kind of found their way, you know, clearly inspired by the pros and analysis of John Krasinski as he yes. talked about Rudy Gobert's struggles. And you've had some pretty open discussions with Rudy in media sessions where, you know, you've kind of pressed him to unpack his own challenges. And and he's been fairly forthcoming, I think, and fairly mm-hmm. kind of look in the mirror style and, and you know, has, has played a little better of late. Uh, where are we at with this team that obviously still know Carl Anthony Towns and 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 like the Lakers, like where they're they they're not dead yet. They're they're in this. You know, they can make some noise. They can make a run. How how are things uh, in that part of the the league? Yeah, it's been interesting to see it all play out because obviously, when you make when you pay the price that they paid for Rudy Gobert, there is an expectation that they were going to come in and be a team that won around fifty games and challenged for a four seed or, or and and really we're going to be a factor in how in the West in some way, you know, maybe not, you know, winning a bunch of series in the playoffs or anything, but the goal was to get back to the playoffs and be there without being in the play in. They started the season very underwhelming. Um, the town's go bare fit was clunky 
and there's a lot of angst kind of surrounding this team and and then Towns gets hurt and they're just sort of in a free fall you know you you called the the win or the the game against Detroit you know one they should win and you're right but they lost to Detroit at the back end of a six game losing streak at home so they've been very underwhelming that way but since that loss to Detroit they seem to have found some sort of identity and go to Gobert has really started to settle in a little bit more. I don't think he was comfortable in this new system. I don't think he was comfortable after leaving the only franchise he's ever been with to come to a whole new place and play an unconventional style. And you could see that in his play. And over the last three games in particular, he's been really, really good. And, you know, 20, 25 and 21 against the Clippers, you know, he was he was good in the second, really good in the second half last night against Houston, and now they're a half game out of the six seed, and they're a game and a half out of the five seed, and so a lot of the panicking that was happening earlier in the season has settled down a little bit, and they feel like if they can keep climbing up, keep stacking some wins, while some of the teams like the Clippers, like the Suns, free fall in front of them, the Jazz and Blazers are seemingly falling out of it. Uh, they feel like they're in good position, uh, but they certainly have a long way to go to find more continuity in what they have. But um, it's looking a lot better today than it was even 10 days ago. John, have they learned anything with Towns out? Like, Gobert has absolutely looked better lately, mm-hmm. like you just said. But ultimately, does that doesn't really matter if he doesn't continue to look this good once Towns is back. And as you just said, they really struggled to create any sort of comfort level when they were together. And ultimately, if you want to win at a high level, you need to be able to have your best players on the floor as much as possible. Uh, have they learned anything about Gobert that would be specific to him playing next to to Towns during this time that Towns has been hurt? Yeah, I, th- I think the one there's two things that come to mind. First of all, when Towns comes back, I think you'll see him used differently in terms of much more of a floor spacer and uh, and a shooter and less of a creator than he was in the first 19 games before he was hurt. Because I do think that between Towns, Edwards, Russell, and even you know with Gobert in there, they, they had a hard time breathing some space into the offense with so many different people who wanted the ball in their hands a lot. And so I think that Towns will will kind of come back and be much more of a shooter than the creator that he was. And that might help the offense a little bit. Defensively, it's still going to be a struggle. But I think the really the big overall thing that they have learned over these past 20 games or so is that it's got to be Anthony Edwards' show. Like, this is no longer ants kind of sitting on uh on the wing and waiting for the ball to come to him you put it in his hands like they put it in Luca's hands like they put it in Harden's hands like they put it in all these main playmakers hands and then you live with some of the mistakes he's going to make at 21 years old but you benefit more greatly from him taking control of the offense getting to the bucket driving and kicking scoring uh hit, you know hitting three-pointers things like that And so it's become much more of an Edwards centric team, which is probably where it needs to go eventually in the next couple of years. But that's been expedited with towns out. John, you alluded to it earlier, excuse me, but um, can you please pull the curtain back a little bit on these past couple of months 
what it as it relates to I think you used the word panic as it relates to just the kind of the mood uh in Minnesota because you know uh your stories have certainly conveyed the up and down nature of things but I just wonder if you contextualize stuff here for a moment that Gobert trade obviously last summer the biggest move of the offseason Tim Conley coming over from Denver makes a big splash and then since then not surprisingly like in front office circles all around the league there's been this like obvious sense of like my gosh like okay you got paid to go to Minnesota it's a fantastic opportunity but in terms of reputational stuff you know I I can't remember a move I mean and I'm having recency bias here but in terms of moves that that ran the risk of kind of identifying an executive's reputation the Gobert one was was one of those and and so there's so much on the line and you know and then you've got the new ownership Trans, you know, transition, if you will, happening, and but the panic aspect of it, um, you know, how have they navigated all of it, and, and what has the mood been? Yeah, I mean, it's been tough. I mean, the the entire league doesn't believe it's going to work. Um, there's been skepticism the whole way through, and I do think that the way that Rudy was playing early in the season, a lot of turnovers. He seemed slow footed coming out of Eurobasket. Um, he was getting outplayed, frankly, by like Orlando Robinson in Miami one night. And, and you're looking at this and you're, and you're not just saying, okay, they overpaid for a star, but it was looking like they overpaid for someone who is on the downside of his career. And, oh, by the way, Walker Kessler's blocking every shot in the world in Utah. And, and it was looking really bad. And I think like, one of the other parts of it was because Rudy was not playing well, I think some of his teammates looked at him and was like, man, what's this all about? He's making all this money. We paid all of this uh, freight to get him here and he can't catch a pass. And he's, you know, he's not dunking the ball. Like what is going on? And so there was a lot of internal sort of dynamics of, what did we get here? And that's from the players, not from the coaches, not from the front office. I think they always believed that he would eventually settle in and, and start to assert himself. But for a while, there was real frustration with how everything was fitting together and how he was playing over the last probably three weeks or so. He's starting to do more and show some of the Rudy Gobert stuff that you see. Uh, that that you saw in Utah and really controlling the defense, um, starting to finish pick and rolls a lot with a lot more force, blocking shots, doing those things. And so it's it's definitely settled down a little bit, but it's by no means a point of, yep, everything is fine here. Nothing to worry about. We're going to be great. There's still a lot of trust that's being built and uh, and chemistry that is being worked on right now. It's a, it's a big, it's a big long process that I think has taken longer than some people would have liked. Well, and that locker room aspect to me is, is interesting. I had somebody tell me a while back about that locker room that, and this is a compliment to Austin rivers and, and a mm-hmm. criticism of everybody else was that like Austin was the only guy with any leadership ability in that group. And he was a talker and a, and a communicator and, and, you know, that's a guy who I glanced at the box. He played 19 minutes last night. Like, he's part of the rotation. He's, mm-hmm. But, like, you know, that's Rudy, part of his career and part of his legacy, I think, that has always kind of bubbled beneath the surface is that personality-wise, and it's not just cultural, but, you, you, you know, you have the cultural stuff, you have the personality stuff, 
you know, we know the backstory with Ian Donovan Mitchell in Utah and where at times it was not great at all. At times it was bad. At times it was good. But like sometimes has struggled to truly connect with his teammates and to have to do that while struggling, you know, after this type of a massive trade, I'm sure it was incredibly challenging for him. So, you know, I think what you're also saying is that component is is still worth watching going forward. For sure. Yeah. He's still, I mean, he, he's for as veteran as he is and how many accomplishments as he has individually, the defensive players of the year and the all-stars and stuff like that. He is not a guy who's going to get into the middle of the locker room and like command respect and, and unite and stuff. He's quiet. Like he does things his own way. And, um, and, and so I, I do think that there is a, familiarity that needs to be kind of gained between him and his teammates uh and it's been better of late uh but the the thing that he has to do is he 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 may be quiet as a player but he needs to play loudly and you know you hear all the time about well in utah he did all the little things to bring a you know to bring a team together to uh to give them regular season success you know, all, all the things that don't show up in the box score, but when you're in a new environment and where you, when you're trying to build trust and respect with your new teammates, you have to do loud things. You have to swat a shot into the third row. You have to dunk on someone. And just flex of, more. He should flex, flex more. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> and, and, and I think that he, he is starting to show a little bit more of that. And I think the players are starting to respond, but um, for a long time, it was, Hey, what's this guy bringing to the table? And, um, and so I think it's coming around, but yes, more shit talking, more flexing. Yeah. yeah, A little more swag. Like that's what more swag. That's what Anthony Edwards wants. That's what D'Angelo Russell wants. That's what a lot of these guys want is they want to see this big $40 million center get out and just, you know, and, and dominate someone. And they want Pat Bev channeling or, or exactly. Rudy channeling Pat Bev. There you exactly. go. Exactly. No, it, Anthony it, Edwards wants Kristaps Porzingis. That's what he wants. Mm-hmm. Hey, hey, John, I have a question for you. Yes. Uh, what the hell was Nas Reed talking about? Um, well, so it was, it sounds, so for those who aren't aware, um, after the Detroit loss, Nas was asked, is it a mystery why you guys are struggling? Is it, 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 do you, have you had a hard time putting your finger on it? And Nas said, no, we know what it is. We know the problem. We know the problem. We just, we're going to keep that in house. And, um, it, it sounds more ominous when you read it on a sheet of paper than when he said it, it was more of like, we understand nothing is wrong. Nothing is, is over here. We can fix this is what he was saying. But, um, but when you read it, it's like, Oh, he's pointing a finger. And I do think that there is something to him saying, you know, it, it, it's a little Rudy related in terms of, Hey, we got to figure out this Gobert thing or else this whole thing is going to fall apart. There's just no, way going around it. I also think at the time D'Angelo Russell was not playing particularly well. And it was, Hey, we got to figure out how to get Russell more uh, comfortable and to kind of run an offense that, that can function with both Russell and Gobert because D'Angelo Russell doesn't want to pass to Rudy Gobert right now because he doesn't catch the ball when, when he throws it there. So it's kind of like, 
it, 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 I think a lot of people thought he was saying Rudy Gobert is the problem. I just don't want to tell you it. And I don't think it was that emphatic, but I do think it was a full acknowledgement that what they are having right now wasn't working and it's not going to, there's not going to be huge material changes. They might make a trade here or there. That's a little tweak, but they're going to go forward with Carl Anthony Towns, Rudy Gobert, Anthony Edwards, probably D'Angelo Russell. And so they have to figure this thing out as is because no, no changes, no help is coming around the corner to, to fix things that way. I do have one more for you, which I, I, I'm fascinated by the wolves. What a weird team, a strange team that we still haven't seen. Uh, We're, we're all, we're, we're all crapping on Gobert, which I hate because I've offset that Gobert is the most unfairly crapped on player in the league. And now we're doing it. But this year, the blocks are way down. Opponents are shooting 57% on on dunks and layups when he's the closest defender, which is not a bad percentage, but it's nowhere near peak Gobert. Gobert is normally amongst the league leaders there, and like the best version of Rudy Gobert is like allowing 40 high 40s shooting, 10 points lower, 47, 48, 49 on dunks and layups when he's the closest defender there. Now he's almost at 60. Uh, those... Those numbers can mislead a little bit, but you watch with the eye test and you're like, he's not altering as, as many shots. He's not getting up there. How concerned are the Wolves that the best version of Gobert is is behind him independent of fit or anything like that? Yeah, I mean, I, I do think it's a concern now. I think it's been alleviated a little bit by his better play of late, but certainly you know, a month ago, especially, there was real concern about it because he's watching him. He was slow footed. Like he was slower to react. He was not playing. You know, we saw him in Utah be able to guard both the ball handler and the roller in a pick and roll by himself. And he couldn't do that anymore. Um, And so there've been various theories about it. One is, is I do think that Eurobasket took a lot out of him. And I think that he came in tired and he's just now kind of getting his legs back underneath him. But I do think also he's more tentative because he's playing a different system of defense. He's not playing as much drop coverage with the wolves as he did in Utah, because the wolves, other defenders are not as equipped to play that style. And so that's been an adjustment for him. I think that um, the rest of the team has had a hard time kind of learning him and, 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 and helping him as much as he is supposed to help them. So there's various reasons, but there is no question. And Rudy just said it this last weekend is that we haven't seen the best Rudy Gobert yet because he has, he hasn't been as impactful. Like it's not just that the numbers aren't really saying it. You just watch him play and for a lot of this season, it's not been the same Rudy Gobert. He's not been uh, a, a, a very good player. Um, so there has been concern. I think that there is wishful thinking and hope that he is starting to come around and, and settle in and, and be more impactful, which he has been in the last four or five games. But uh, but yeah, there was real kind of uh, teeth gnashing about, hey, what's going on with this guy? Like, where is he? And now he's starting to show up. And so there's hope that he's going to kind of carry this forward. All right. Good stuff, JK. We are going to take a quick break um, on the other side. And I was a little delayed and slow in sharing the, the other news of the day. Kevin Durant 
uh, Nets star, Nets are surging, uh, has been diagnosed with an isolated MCL sprain of his right knee, um, will be reevaluated in two weeks. So let's use that on the other side of this break to check out the East a little bit. But with the same theme, you know, the Nets were surging, but a bunch of teams that that, that are kind of playing middling basketball that makes the entire league so interesting right now from a, a parity standpoint. So we will be right back to jump to the other side. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Spring is the best time to add new challenges to your training just in time for summer and warmer days. I know I'm looking outside right now. Sun's out. Birds are chirping. It's time to start getting outside. Uh, I know that I like to get outside and play basketball with my kids. And honestly, I need to get into a fitness routine in order to keep up with these guys. And Peloton is there for me. Peloton's varying class links were designed with your training plan in mind. Personalize your workout, whether you'd like to add a 10-minute core session at the end of your strength class, or take a 60-minute power zone ride to increase your endurance. Peloton classes are designed to help focus on your needs and goals. Peloton's classes were made to challenge you. There are a variety of classes like boot camps, boxing, full body strength, or marathon training, all created to grow your skills or push you to improve in what you're already excelling in. Peloton's program and instruction push you to be your best. Their expert coaches and nonstop vibes will push you to new levels of strength and endurance, keeping you on your toes while giving you the professional coaching you need. Peloton has everything you need to get you where you're going. Whether you prefer to run indoors, row or ride at home, or strength train at the gym, Peloton has something for you. Get your head start on summer with Peloton at OnePeloton.com. All right, gentlemen, appreciate you. Uh, Let's keep it rolling here. Um, Other news of the day, Kevin Durant playing his tail off, playing MVP caliber basketball, injuries, suck there's no other way of saying it they're part of the game but this is unfortunate I mean thankfully you know could have been worse uh like I said on the other side of the break gonna get reevaluated in two weeks but the Nets you know as, as we kind of look around the league's landscape trying to figure out who's for real and who's really dangerous you know a, a handful of teams have had their time in that spotlight if that makes sense but the, the Nets were the latest one and um, they were only one game as we as we talked now out of the top of the East. They were about to, you know, be on top of this conference with the best record in the league after a start that was, you know, really, really uh subpar on the floor and chaotic off the floor with the Kyrie Irving saga and everything in the summer with Kevin Durant. So, um, yeah, I mean how how does this impact things, not just for the Nets, but for the the power structure, if you will, of of the contenders? I think that it's different than last year. Remember when he went down last year and they were like kind of in the middle of the pack and they really fell off a cliff and they ended up having to like chase just to get into the play and they got in the play and they played their way out of the play in, but they matched up with Boston in the first round. I mean, that killed them. Um, they're 27. Let me look right now, 27 and 13. And I just think they've given themselves enough cushion. You, you mentioned how it doesn't sound too bad. Like, you know, just to say reevaluated in two weeks means like they, they kind of seem to think this is a more minor sprain. 
as long as Kyrie Irving and the rest of that group, which has played well together, can like keep it somewhat stable, get enough wins. You know, you don't have to go eight and two over the next ten, but go four and six. I think right. they'll be okay. Right. Well, and you talk about narratives and subplots and things that could unfold, and and you kind of just alluded to it. You know, the what if of if Kyrie leads this group without Durant and plays at that kind of a level and keeps him afloat. That'll be uh that'll be quite the turn of events considering how his season began. Yeah, and they've got a pretty easy schedule coming up. Like, you know, five of their next six games or, you know, six of their next eight are are against teams that are either hovering around five hundred or worse. So they've got a manageable schedule coming up and Man, because of all the drama that surrounded him this year, I I don't think people realize how incredible of a season Kyrie Irving is having. Right. He's been unbelievable and all-star worthy. I don't really think you can make a basketball argument for him not to be in the all-star game this year. He's capable of carrying that team offensively. I mean, the thing with KD that I wonder is, well, KD, in, in my opinion, is is an easy top five MVP guy right now. And I think he's got an MVP argument. And their their offense has been 11 points per 100 better when he's on the floor, which is a massive difference. But he's also been one of their most important defenders, too, on a team that has played much better defensively during this hot streak that they're on, but still like has personnel flaws out there. And losing KD as just like a weak side defender, as somebody who can switch on to anybody, is... is is a really meaningful thing too. Everybody concentrates on the fact that he's like the greatest scorer we've ever seen, but he's been quite good defensively this year too. Step up, Ben Simmons. Just yeah, just yeah. make sure that Ben doesn't make a free throw, right, Fred? When they make when he makes a free throw, they're like one and seven. So as long is as they don't right? do that, they're good. yeah, yeah. So as long as they don't do that, he doesn't How about do that. The fact good. that they've only played eight games that he's actually made a free throw. <laughs> that's right, exactly. <laughs> so that shouldn't be hard to uh, to pull off. <laughs> I was um, trying to pull this number up here because, Fred, you mentioned the Nets defense, and I think I finally got it. All right, so since November 17th when – and this, you know, Ben Simmons has been in and out a bit during that early stretch. But November 17th, they were 6th and 9. Um, they have the 6th best defensive rating in the NBA. So that also, as an offshoot of that, kind of makes me uh, think about Jacques Vaughn. I mean, the coaching change – from Steve Nash to Jacques Vaughn, um, you know, coach of the year is going to be an interesting debate once we get to that point. I think Jacques Vaughn, if if this trend continues, especially if they do find a way to flourish without KD, I think Jacques ends up getting a lot of well-deserved credit. He, he's we might get two right guys. We might – the top two in coach of the year, it's possible, are going to be guys who at one point this season had an interim tag with him and Joe Missoula. Sure. Like it is, yeah. it is supremely possible that those guys are top two in coach of the year right now. Yeah. He's, he's, he's been great. Nick Claxton, by the way, has been really good for them defensively. He can get muscled a little bit, but they use him to switch and he's been really good around the rim. And he, he I think he's really improved defensively this year. He's been, he's been really, really big for them as well. How about Willie greens in New Orleans? I, I like him above those two right now, personally. Yeah, Willie Green's, Green's great. Yeah, definitely out good. there. Yep. Unpack um, that you know, a little bit you know. I, We're not going to go all the way on Coach of the Year right now, but, but I didn't see that coming. Um, well, I just want to say one more thing about Durant. Yeah. Kind of from local perspective, you know, me and Sam out here, they're playing the Warriors in Golden State in 13 days, you know, which is uh, doing the math. Uh, you know, he will be out. 
He has still not played in front of fans since he left the Warriors. 2019, mm. leaves the right? Warriors. The mm. only game he's played in Chase Center was COVID year. You know, there's the famous picture with, you know, they had brought the banners down. It's like a full empty arena. Um, but it's just, I, I, they want to give him the trivia video. They want to give him the standing ovation. And it's like going to end up being like, you know, post-retirement at this point. It's just, he keeps weirdly get you know, missing those games. And obviously, like, it's, it's unfortunate and it's not purposeful, but it's just... Uh, he's going to miss it again. I mean, I think people around here were looking forward to it a little bit to, cause I, there is much different than Oklahoma city, a more like positive welcoming waiting him. He's just never going to receive it. It seems like. What is this? What does all this mean? <clears throat> I know we were talking about the, the teams in the middle, but since we hit on the next or, or nets uh, title contenders, guys, like the general question of, as we get towards mid-January, and we're going to have a lot of movement over the course of the next month, I had started kind of believing, like, damn, I think the Nets, I mean, they look capable of winning the whole thing, which would, you know, not something I would have said six weeks before. And we already kind of, you know, shared our skepticism about the West, you know, and I was around Denver recently. I respect them. They don't have the pedigree to this point in terms of, you know, having proven to be a championship group. And the Nets certainly haven't either, but they have, you know, one – you know, two-time champion leading the way when Kevin gets back. Denver's talented. I'm not ready to say, oh, they're going to be, you know, raising that trophy in the Mile High City. In terms of title contenders and teams that, you know, you can envision the uh, the combination of, of kind of chance and them taking advantage of opportunity leading to a title, uh, who do you believe in right now? Well, at the start of the season, I took uh, Bucks over Denver. Uh, and it, that was my pick. Um, and I know the Bucks have looked shaky, and I certainly like what I've seen from the Nets um, more this season, maybe even the Celtics too, than what Milwaukee has, even though they haven't had Middleton for a lot of the season. Um, I still might lean ever so slightly toward Milwaukee in the playoffs with Giannis and and Middleton that way, but um, I, I do like Denver. I know they have defensive issues, and I think that they'll probably try to address that before the trade deadline. I think they they can make a move to do it but if they can if they can shore up their defense a little bit more maybe add some bench help uh i i like denver in the west a lot and i mean golden state too if steph is healthy and and everything kind of clicks into place but um but denver is 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 just that's a team that i've liked a lot i like their coaching staff i love Jokic, and i think everything works around them so that's i'm gonna still ride with my guys I believe in nobody in the West, Sam. That's why I opened the, <laughs> no, the podcast being like, East you know what? You Trade, Lakers, too. go ahead. I just, I don't know. The West is. All right, what about the East, though? I'm saying league-wide. Yeah. Boston, Milwaukee, in? you know, I, I I believers. Okay. I, I think No Cleveland, I, no Philly? No. Um, no. Definitely not Philly. Okay. Yeah, I'm like conference a, finals like believers a, a in, second in team, Cleveland. Second round and out, like I, just built to, to. I think Cleveland is insanely good, like really good. I've no been, way, I mean, Fred. You guys know. I, I've been don't believe you. Talking about Cleveland, <laughs> but but it's really hard for a young team to go from no matter what move they make in the offseason leading up to it. It's really hard for a young team to go from not even in the playoffs to going and winning a title. I mean, the Suns kind of made that jump that year. They went to the finals a couple of years ago. The 08 Celtics, I guess, did it, but that did doesn't you just really call count. the Chris Paul-led Suns of... young? Yeah, I guess yeah. not, but yeah. yeah. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I'm just accounting for the fact that I said almost no matter what, right. what trade they made. Well, but they were young about, other than, so, than so, Paul, you know? 
West skepticism uh, aside, uh, how do you feel about the young but not as young Memphis Grizzlies? I feel great about the Memphis Grizzlies. Love the Grizzlies. They 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 are championship love. Yes. 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 They they are because. Because they they're not jumping from you know no no playoffs or something like that. Right. Like they they have they have put in their legs. Right. They 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 played the Warriors in the play in tournament and then they come on and they win a playoff series last year against Minnesota and they they fight Golden State hard when Ja gets hurt in the playoffs and I think this year this team is even better. They've barely had their healthy team for pretty much the whole season. Desmond Bain has been hurt for most of the season. Jaron Jackson Jr. started the season sidelined. I think Jaron Jackson Jr. should be the favorite for Defensive Player of the Year right now. No doubt. That dude is out of this world. That stat I just cited for Rudy Gobert, by the way, where opponents are shooting 57% against Gobert uh, uh, on layups and dunks when Gobert is the closest defender. Jaron Jackson, normally the number that leads the league is like in the high 40s in that for qualifying players. Jaron Jackson Jr., when I checked like two days ago, was at 39%. Just stop fouling people, Jaron Jackson. That's that's where my skepticism with them remains, and maybe it's a little remains a little too colored from the Christmas game where they came in against the Warriors guy. Well, well, but (laughs) Sam, I mean, you were you did you go to the game? Well, regardless, you watched the game. Like they just they still overly confident and make silly mistakes, and to me, they just still don't have like the overly confident. What in the world gives you that idea? (laughs) And and by the way, I would, I mean, I think I could loop John into this. He was at that first round series last year. Like, they just make silly mistakes. They should have lost that series. If the Wolves, if the Wolves were capable at all, they would have lost that series. Jaron Jackson's fouls in that game, it was like Draymond Green knew coming out of halftime, he had three fouls, and he was like, you know what I'm going to do? Jaron Jackson's going to get close to me. He's going to stick his arm way too close, and I'm going to run into it and get his fourth foul and send him to the bench. And he just did it because he's like that was easy and it's yep. just that type of stuff that i still remain like eh. i, I mean still, they were supposed yep. to come no, in there on christmas it, and make a statement it they makes should've. sense but they're they're also in a position where they've got they've got assets loaded up they've got too many players to play in a rotation they they could easily make some sort of consolidation trade using danny green a young guy a draft pick and try to put together a, a, a really nice rotation player like they they could be a team that should go out and get one of the Bogdanoviches, right? Sure. Like that would make a lot of sense for them. They never uh, do, though. Do, Maybe they will, but like I feel they like never they do. I mean, and I, and I but saw that's them. because they never felt like they were at the level where like they could make a run. I think they feel like this is this is hey, a, if that, a if that happens, that really good team the, right now. The, the equation. I mean, they've also done a nice. I saw them last month and talked to some of their people, and and admittedly, you know was struck by this internal confidence that exists with some of their homegrown guys, and, and specifically, like, you know, Santi Aldama is a guy that, you know, nobody really knew going into the year and then has turned into a good player for them. And they're trying to build from the inside out, but always with an eye on that move that is worth putting your assets on the table for. So they are not only well-positioned to compete in the playoffs and contend for that title now, but still, you know, have a ton of flexibility um, I think I've told this story before on the pod, but it's worth repeating because it just always cracked me up in terms of their confidence that we joked about. It's like, you know, they lose to the Warriors in the playoffs. And John, I think the other two guys have already heard the story, but I guess for you, I'm sitting in the postgame press conference room. Series is over. Warriors win. I think it's Dylan Brooks on the podium. And he's asked about whether or not he thought that the Warriors veteran experience and just their history was the type of thing that put them over the top in this series. And when that question was asked of Dylan, I'm literally sitting next to 
Jaron Jackson Jr., who had chosen to come sit among the press corps, you know, for that presser. And it was just, he's in his jersey, he's chilling, and he's watching Dylan's uh, presser. And the question comes Dylan's way. And Jaron, you know, Dylan is the one we're used to having all the swag, all the edge, all the everything. But Jaron's reaction to the question always stuck with me and I thought was hilarious because he heard that question and like audibly gasped. It was like, no, no. You know, like they mm. and it and, and at first you're going, uh, okay, you're wrong. I don't agree with you. But <laughs> over time, that sort of belief, like I'm here for it. Like it, that that that's kind of what pumps through it, their veins. It makes and for riveting theater. Yeah, but it's like at some point you got to learn from your mistakes. And that, can you do both? Like, can you have that energy and then I and thought then so, the but then I watched the both? Christmas game and I was like, this doesn't look like a team that is learning from its mistakes. Sure. I don't know if I agree. I think if you look at the big picture, a lot of their guys are getting like Desmond Bain is so much better. That dude is just one of the five best overall shooters in the NBA now and is so much better and is so much better at creating his own shot. Jaws added a jump shot and is is somehow better than he was last year when he, as Sam Amick deemed him, won most improved player, even though he shouldn't have won most improved player because he was too good. Taken strays. Jeez. No, that wasn't a stray. That was a direct shot. Okay. That wasn't a stray at all. It was a that stray. was a you go missed. out of my way. You missed. You come direct shot. Yeah. Just because you haven't you haven't right me. Yeah, that was not yes. stray. That wasn't yes. accidental. It, yeah, it's not it's not a stray when I walk right up to you. And <laughs> okay, okay. No gun talk. We're not doing gun talk. <laughs> Keep it moving. <laughs> yeah, this is what's gonna happen until you just Venmo me all the fine money. How about a Darren, uh, Dylan Brooks upgrade though? You know, maybe yes. using him, his salary, the fact they can't extend him because, you know, just the I don't think there's any way. They love that dude so much. I mean... Is and, that and smart, though? <laughs> I don't know. I mean, I love his, his comment recently where he's talking about his shot selection and basically was like, uh, they're going to have to deal like I do a lot for this team. Well, you know, you know <laughs> not to get too deep into it, but Dylan Brooks shot, him, shot uh, them out of a couple playoff games when I continue to say, do you learn from your yes, mistakes? And then you hear these quotes like... Mm-hmm. He's passing better lately. He's passing better. He also had a quote recently where he was talking about like, "Hey, I'm passing more," and he was kind of bragging yeah, about that was the fact the that like for yeah. three straight games, yeah. he passed more. Yeah, he's here's the thing: everybody looks at the Grizzlies and is like, "Can they upgrade Dylan Brooks' role?" And maybe they can. Brooks is expiring. Maybe they just want to see if they can move on from him. But like, they really love him. I was talking to because I was doing the Quentin speak. Grimes. Yeah. Thunder really yeah, love Russell well, Westbrook, and Russell Westbrook well, had these not, determined quotes after every playoff elimination no, that he was not going to change his ways. That's terrible. We're talking about role players here. And I mean, but I, also, it's just when we talk about loving him. It goes beyond the cultural stuff. So I was I was doing a story on Quentin Grimes like a week and a half ago. And for the story, I wanted to see because it feels like the Knicks just put him now on whoever is the other team's best player, whether it's a wing, whether it's a guard, whatever. So I hit up somebody who works in analytics for another team and I asked them, because I know teams track this stuff, how many guys in the league guard the other team's most used player a higher percentage of the time than Quentin Grimes? And Quentin Grimes was sixth in the league guarding the most used player on the other team. And you know who was first? Dylan Brooks. Because Memphis trusts him so much defensively. They are putting him on the other team's most used player more than any other player in the NBA is on the other team's most used player when they're on the floor. I mean, that that they would have to really reconfigure the way that they play defense, and their defense is very good, if they were to get rid of Dylan Brooks. I'm not saying they're not going to. They totally might. I'm just saying they will not part with him as easily as you would. That's all. Fair. 
I just I let mean, Slater, man, Slater, you just missed it. The pitch just went right by. It was like a 92 I was, mile I was going to say, yeah, sure, Dylan you know? Brooks gets a steal, yeah. and then he's like, and I think I'm going to pull up for 28 feet right now. <laughs> uh, but, you know, whatever. Uh, I, ju- I do think that that is a place, if you can get an upgrade. We're going to promote with, this part of the pod what, what and just them? sell, you know, we're going to, Slater, I apologize in advance because we're going to frame this like the Warriors guy goes at the Grizzlies so the Grizzlies can lean Let's into add it. add fuel to the fire. It's going to get played in Memphis. Uh, hey, by the way, I will never believe- see that in comment. Please do it, not do it. that because I'm not believing in the Warriors much right now. <laughs> All right. Uh, which continues along Slater the lines of my theme of the no podcast worried. is I don't believe in anybody in the West. <laughs> so maybe Memphis can win it because literally somebody has to win the West. Ooh, now so. we're going to get you in trouble with the Warriors fans. Don't believe in the Warriors. Giving up on the Warriors. I don't know why I'm picking on you now. All right. I will keep it moving. Guys, um, I do want to get John out of here. Sam just got cyberbullying in his, yep. uh, you know, blood. LeBron got right him. He's so he wants, the he wants Draymond and Ja to go after Oh, Slater. my gosh. Yep. Yep, and I will it. say, it's funny you mentioned that, like, it is wild. And I'm actually weird proud of myself because like it's not that hard to just stop listening the, the internet's the internet but like man that dev, like that 24 hours of the lebron machine coming my way from a, a digital social media standpoint is something else and mm-hmm. it, i mean there's a greater conversation there about like society and how it's just not the healthiest thing like just people wild and they're saying stuff you would never say in person it's just unbelievable so uh yeah that channel of my brain has been cut off at the moment but maybe i am taking that out on slater um before we get out because it's like we we are kind of in trade season and we are going to wrap up here so we're not going too deep but you know i guess pre- thoughts for next week to set the stage for trade discussion and and how you guys feel like this season is going to go you've got I, I mentioned it earlier just it seems like what i think are going to be so many buyers and so many teams with hope the play-in tournament obviously impacts that you know, inevitably, and then just the way this season has unfolded, you know, everybody I talk to around the league is just like, it's just, you know, 90% of the league is buyers. So where are these players going to come from? How do you guys see that? Um, If I'm a team right now um, in the, in contention, I just don't understand why Malik Beasley isn't like at the top of everyone's list. I mean, he has some, issues you want to you, you have concerned about maybe character wise but at, when you get a guy shooting like that um and and the and the 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 difference that he can make that's that's the guy that I, any team that has a wish to go deeper into the playoffs should be going after um and i do think that utah looks like it's starting to fall out yeah. and i think danny will make some moves and so malik would be right at the top of that list for me my yeah. understanding on the Utah front, you know, Larry Markkinen is is part of their future. He's not a guy you can talk about trade wise. Um, and then, you know, John's favorite contextual reference for Rudy Gobert struggles, <laughs> Walker Kessler, is another guy that they love. Um, but by and large, beyond that, everything's up for grabs. Danny's the yeah. Kind you know of what's guy interesting, Sam? Move quick. Sorry. Oh, go ahead, Slayer. Mm-hmm. Oh, Fred, you're I- up. You know what's interesting? I you mentioned how people are talking about, well, there just aren't that many sellers in the league. People were saying the same stuff going up to last year, right? And then all of a sudden at the last second, some teams are like, actually, you know what? I think we'll sell. I think right oh, yeah. now what the play in tournament has done is that it's really hard to consider yourself a definitive seller on in the beginning of January. I think teams are just deciding that they're sellers 
later than they were previously because they're still kind of in the hunt for 10. But I could easily see Chicago deciding to sell. That's that's a possibility. I could see Atlanta deciding to sell. I think that's a possibility. I think Washington deciding to is a possibility. Toronto deciding to is a possibility. Utah deciding to is a possibility. So like we're seeing, uh, you know, stronger than others. Like, on those teams too. Sam, I think yeah, we need a segment every week for the next four, whatever, until the deadline where Fred Katz does the an update on the Jakob Pertle sweepstakes. Because, like, <laughs> is that not the name of the deadline, Fred Katz? Like, wh- look, where where are we at on the on the Pertle sweepstakes? Oh, it's it's enthralling stuff. Denver, I mean, maybe is he is he going to as a backup? Are you going to allow that, Katz? What's he going to play twelve minutes a game behind Jokic? He can't best get backup that. in the NBA. No way. <laughs> No way. 48 minutes. <laughs> Bring him around. No, yeah, he's uh look, I'll I'll be the first to admit it. He has not quite been the same Jakob Pertle this year because the Spurs just don't have the defenders to prop him up. He hasn't quite been the same. I think oh, he's got to get propped up. Okay. Quinn is, is good. Yeah, yeah. Well, you wow. know, you know, he's, you know, he's, you know, he's he, he can prop up others when you prop up him too, but uh you know, he just hasn't quite Listen, been the same. There are just guys beelining into the paint on the Spurs right now, and it's a it's a it's a difficult job. I wouldn't be. I'm not totally completely ruling out the Spurs not trading him. By the way, everyone just assumes the Spurs are definitely trading. I agree. Him. I agree. I don't know. Spurs love. He likes Pirtle. it there. Spurs love Pirtle more than I do. Allegedly. Last thing right, I heard that on is, that was like uh, they were looking for like a legit first rounder, like a you know we're talking like lottery type first rounder. And if yeah, I believe that. And Last I think part of their picking on cats because I came at him. I see how this goes. Part of their, uh, I guess, um, negotiation is what Fred is saying. Like we'll resign him. Sure, sure, sure. All right, I'm going to use that as my out, gentlemen, because I can relate to Jakob Pertle because y'all prop me up and you make me better, and I appreciate you. I'm also uh, the type of big who needs to get propped up. Uh, you know, all six one, one eighty five of me. All right, guys, appreciate you, John. Thank you for coming on, man. I know you are in high demand all the time, and you're busy and work and family and all that stuff. So thank you so much. Great seeing your face, Fred Slater. Love y'all. Talk to you guys next week. Thank you. Thank you.